Hey, welcome to another episode of the Poly Greens podcast. This is Jake Emling with Route 42 Harvest, along with Nick Greens from the Nick Greens Grow Team. What's going on, Nick? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Hey, thanks. Thanks for coming, uh, coming on the podcast, man. Hey, nothing better than on a cold, wet night to chit chat about growing things. So, yeah, I know this is, uh, I think a perfect uh, podcast to talk about the cold weather changing and, uh, winter growing, everybody putting on their, uh, their winter, uh, grow hats. Oh yeah. 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 I'll, especially for us greenhouse guys, um, that grow vegetables and stuff. We don't, I mean, we change our crop selection, but we don't really stop. We're growing at 365. So it's a great time. Just like the changing of the seasons, we also change what we're doing in the greenhouse this time of year. So, and I know tonight we wanted to talk about some of that, what we do in the wintertime slash um, kind of the things we're seeing this time of year. So a little bit of a Q&A and just for reference for people who are uh, tuning in, we're, I'm in Northeast Ohio. So my, your mileage may vary depending on where you are. I know the guys down South, you know, they can get away with a lot more than up here. We've been averaging, eh, it's like sixties during the day, forties at night, you know, my heaters are running in the greenhouse. So it gets to be that kind of fun time of year to manage everything. So and we have listeners from all over the world. So oh, yeah, yeah. Different it's time always zones. Always a good reference. Yeah. I would love to be in the Southern hemisphere where now it's summertime for them, but you know, we deal with the cards we are dealt. So I, I, I do love the cold weather when it gets cold and everything just goes dormant. And there's just something about the cold weather and being out there when the sun's shining on a, you know, yeah. Understand. Yeah. And we, and we like it where even though in our systems and our greenhouse, like you can see picture behind me, um, we can grow whatever we want year round, but it's nice that we change, uh, the produce that we're doing based on our customer. And we like, we'll grow things depending on the season. So this time of year, we're doing a lot more of the cool hardy green. So, you know, your kales, your arugulas, um, collards uh we do a lot of radicchio fennel um pea shoots that kind of stuff that's kind of more that they naturally like the cooler weather spinach is another great one that we're doing this time of year that really like this cooler weather uh lower light levels um so you know it's a whole different planning but i like to tell people winter and summer are kind of the easy ones to grow in it's these transition period like fall and spring that's a little interesting because right now we still had uh two days ago we had snow and then like you know tomorrow is supposed to be like in the 70s here so it's kind of a fun <laughs> way of managing everything even though we're in a greenhouse the weather outside still kind of affects what we're up to so it's kind of fun going that way and so, so are, do, are you amping up your microgreen uh production as well or is that uh kind of a uh staying where it's at during the winter months. Yeah. So in the winter months, we seem to do quite a bit more wintergreen production. So right now, the biggest ones that we're having a lot of demand for are um, uh, radish is a big one right now. Everybody likes, we're doing the daikon radish or the um, purple stemmed radish. Um, is, there, is that a mix that you're doing or is it? We do it individually. So uh, the quantity that we're growing is of such a, use now that we do everything by a solid tray so 
when we're doing a 1020 tray, we'll do so many 1020 trays of peas, so many 1020 trays of daikon radish, so many of the purple radish. Now, uh, let me ask you a question. I know yeah. uh, some of the, the listeners would like to know. Uh, so when you're pricing the, the purple radish to the daikon radish, is it the same, same pricing? Because I know there's sometimes a seed pricing difference. Yeah, what we do is we're just basing it based on well, we sell everything by weight. And so that way we know from our customers, a lot of our guys are all uh, wholesale. And so it's just X amount of pounds a week that we're producing. And then we're doing it. Um, our prices are kind of related to seed costs, but more it's related to how long they're in the system. So something that's a quick turnaround, like a radish or a broccoli, um, we price that a little bit cheaper than a long slow grower, like a basil or, um, something like that yeah a seashell so kind of, a red seashell yeah, 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 or something yeah, yeah, yeah. like that yeah, yeah yeah or the exotic long-term ones that are you know out the red vein the red vein sorrels the red vein sorrels a 21 yeah. day right it's almost yeah 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 so things that are out there you know two or three weeks you know we're going to price that different than something that's just a quick like 10 day turnaround radish is super fast pea shoots uh they're like around 10 14 days right now with the weather. So, yeah. so, you so, found, kind of, so, so, so you're finding the markets more loving the spices, which are, which are kind of saying the, yeah, the radish. So, yeah. We're probably 50, 50, half of our people are wanting spicy and half are wanting the, the more mild and in the mild this time of year, everyone's really gravitating towards the, the broccoli and the cabbage. Those two, everybody likes those two. They're nice, mild, easy to grow. And, Cool thing about it is they have a fast turnaround time compared and to. And you can uh, sneak them in the kids' meal without them even oh, yeah, knowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my biggest pest right now is my daughter is eating all of our pea shoots. She loves eating those things. Like they're going out of style because we're growing um, uh, sugar, like a snap pea. Yeah, yeah. Pea shoots, and they're more sweet than um, a regular, like a field pea. So that's just what we're using for our pea shoots right now. But yep. So. Uh, so talking about uh red vein sorrel, uh, you know, and, and she show and, and varieties like that. Um, I've noticed from, you know, the 20 years that I've been growing that putting seeds like this in the freezer, um, whether if it's a day or a month or whatever, before you're germinating, uh, it's kind of a, you get a, a better germination rate um, when you're germinating these seeds is, now, is this something that's uh, false or is there some, there's some uh, uh, data out there that can prove that? Yeah. So the best one, I should have brought it with me. I have a collection of old horticulture books, but I've got one from the like 1930s. And so that, if you think about that time period in horticulture, that was before we had a lot of the chemicals that we use now. And that had a lot of the older fashioned tricks to get seeds to germinate. And seeds can fall into like one or two categories. You have what we call vernalization or scarification. So seeds will either need one or two options for them to germinate. They'll need either some sort of physical damage. So you may have heard of people taking a seed and like scratching the seed coat or like taking a piece of sandpaper and scratching it. And Sturstrom is definitely one of those, those seeds that loves that yeah. little scratch on it. Yeah. Yep. 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 Or you can go with um, vernalization means it needs a cold period. So you throw them in a freezer or a fridge. Usually I personally don't like freezing things. So we have a seed fridge that we keep stuff in and we keep them at like 
35 36 degrees so Ooh, you know so you're not getting there. that or you're not getting the frost going yeah so they're getting it to that point where it's cold but not to the point of where it's so cold that it could actually uh damage anything so that's kind of the whole idea behind that and so it works out pretty good that way but yeah and like for example like spinach we've always had problems getting our spinach to germinate so we do um like a scarification process um, and to get it to spinach that way. And the, the cooler weather, they like, isn't it more st- stable weather that they want? They want the, yeah, they don't want it going up and down. It's super sensitive to day length. And so um, if you get it too hot or too much light, it'll want to bolt right away. So this days are perfect because we have naturally lower light. And then as you can see, we supplement, with grow lights this time of year in our greenhouse and so can you uh can i ask you what variety it is are you allowed to say which one the light the spinach oh spinach we're using uh ski seascape right now okay they all act roughly the same some are a little bit better than others but a cooler temperature and what i found is if you have 10 hours of light or less on them they seem to perform better and so that's kind of where we're that sweet spot right now where, you know, we're getting quite a bit of um, cloudier days. So it's a lot easier for us to control how much light the spinach is getting. Um, usually November, December here seems to be like spinach month. That stuff grows like crazy. Now, flip side, if you try and do a warmer, hotter crop like basil, no, doesn't like it. So <laughs> we try and kind of match what we're growing with the time of year and that also kind of relates to how we run the greenhouse so you know yeah i could grow basil this time of year but i would run my lights a lot more and my heat a lot warmer and that just takes a lot more energy um inputs to raise that crop so that way we kind of match something that can deal with both the load of how much energy we're using in the greenhouse and what people are liking but you know i always get people who are asking or, oh, can I get, you know, basil in the middle, middle of winter? Yeah, you could, but, you know, cost of production for that is going to be a lot more than, you know, spinach. So we, we do have two, two kind of lists. So we have what we call our cool season stuff and our warm season stuff. And so there's certain things that we do just this time of year. For example, like Dylan cilantro, both like cooler temperatures grows great this time of year, but there's not a huge high demand in our area for. What about arugula? Arugula. Yeah. We grow that pretty much other than in the peak summer heat. Cause it's because so, it, Italian restaurants will take that all year, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That works out really well for cilantro, us. Cilantro. What is, how does is cilantro know it's warm, right? It's warm. No, cilantro, what we find here likes it cooler. So we get better development of it in a little bit of a cooler temperature so are you into the split seed or non-split uh it depends everybody swears on the split seeds gets better germination yeah 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 yeah. what we do here is we just add up so what we do is our cilantro we're doing more like in a bunch and so instead of having like one plant per plant position we do like three or four and so i just chuck you know three or four seeds in each spot and hopefully at least one or two of them germinate. So that's kind of, we overseed that. Um, Same thing with the arugula, we overseed that. So that way we get a nice big bunch coming up rather than like one straight. What about microflowers during this time of year? 
Yeah, we don't really do many flowers this time of year because a lot of flowers. So back to that whole like what um, you classify how you can start the seeds. You can also classify plants based on day length. And there's three categories. You have long day plants, short day plants, and then day neutral plants. So day neutral plants don't care what the weather's like, or excuse me, what the day length is like. They know, okay, I'm going to flower after so many things. Day a long day and short day based on how much hours of um, light and how many hours of dark they get to force them to flower and stuff. So you would want to match up uh, that kind of flower based on how many hours of light you have this time of year. And so huh. we found there's a few day neutral things we do, um, but usually flowers this time of year, we just, we'd rather take that space and use it for microgreen production and, kind of flip it that way so yeah we'll go we'll run the cool season stuff up until about um for us usually second to third week in february and then we'll rip all that stuff out and then we'll start working on our summer warm season stuff now when you do the rip out you do a whole sterilization of the whole facility yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so what we'll do is we do a pull everything out deep clean the whole greenhouse clean all the systems and then put them it all switched over that way um, we clean it between every time we do a crop cycle. So every week we take plants out of the system, we're constantly cleaning and putting them back in. But then pretty much once every season, we do a big clean to kind of hit the reset button is the best way I like to put it to kind of help do that. And a lot of this stuff, people ask like, Oh, what kind of crazy cleaners do you do? Uh, it's a lot of just good old fashioned soap and water a scrub brush or so, if you have simple green and 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 yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and dawn biggest, together biggest simple thing. green and dawn together yeah 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 the biggest thing is just as long as you keep things relatively clean during the growth cycle then when it comes to the end for cleaning it's not as bad so like we're really particular especially this time of year when you get into these cold dark damp days you get a lot more chances for like disease and mildews and stuff like that so if there's any crop debris left over, we get rid of it right away. So like, you know, we don't leave any leaves on the ground. We try not to, anything that falls off of the system, you know, we throw it away or compost it right away, get it up and out of the greenhouse, try and make it still as clean as possible. And that really helps the crop this time of year. So, but yeah, cool, dark growing weather conditions is a lot more fun than hot, dry summer. So <laughs> Yeah, so chives, we do, that's more of a uh, spring thing for us. Um, for us, we've seen it, it, they like that weird warm temperature. So they will like warmer weather and a little bit longer day length. So that's like hits perfect for springtime for those guys. Um, so pretty much once we get to December 21st, so I have a big square on my calendar. That's the shortest day of the year. And then once we get over that hump, it's like, woohoo, we're getting closer. Now we to start spring. going back. Okay. Now we start yeah, going yeah, back yeah, the yeah. other way. Yeah. And Got then we it. start going the other way. Um, usually, like, we'll start tomatoes and that stuff. Um, and some of our longer season stuff in February, like I mentioned earlier. And those are under grow lights, but you don't see a lot of real growth on them where we are until end of March, 1st of April. And that's a combination of, both the days are getting longer for light and we're getting a lot more heat units for that. And so that kind of really helps. Um, what we've also seen too is keeping a difference of daytime to nighttime temperature. So like 
even in the wintertime, we're trying to run the greenhouse 10 degrees warmer than we run it at night. So like during the day, I'm trying to shoot for like 70, 72. And then at night, we're still bringing it down to like 60, 62. And so that really helps with the plant growth too. Um, when you try and run at one temperature all the time in the wintertime, we've seen some kind of stress in the plants and they slow down a little bit. So that 10 degree diff between night and day really helps with what things are going in. And it's mostly uh, heated by natural gas, correct? Uh, yeah, we've got two of them that are heated like that. But that same rule would apply no matter what you're using for your heat source, as long as you keep it. Because the whole idea is by cutting the plant temperature down by 10 degrees from day to night, you cut the respiration rate of the plants in half. And so you can think of it that way, that cooler temperature in dark conditions allows those plants to recover and then kind of help going that way. Whereas if they experience that same temperature all the time, they never really get like a break is the best way of thinking of it that way. And so even though things as simple as a microgreen, which people are like, oh yeah, you can just keep them warm the whole time. We still like to do that difference in temp with even those guys. And we see some good results doing it that way. So uh, during these colder months, uh, foliar feeding, still the same program with foliar feeding, or do you cut down on some of the, the program that you have? Yeah, so this time of year, I pretty much, we don't do pretty much any foliar feeding. We try and get everything through the nutrient solution itself, um, but we do increase the concentration. So like my PPMs and my ECs, I increase them this time of year. And so... The whole idea is the plants aren't taking as much water. And so by increasing it in the cooler winter months, what they do take up have more nutrients in it naturally. Whereas in the summertime, they're just sucking up water like crazy. And we actually decrease what our um, EC or PPM for each plant is. Because the whole idea is it's all about how much nutrients they take up, right? I still want them to take up the same amount. But best analogy I can think of is do you want it in a one gallon glass of water or do you want it in like a cup of water? It's going to still have the same amount of nutrients in each one. It just, are you going to sip it all day long? Or are you going to take one big gulp? And so that's kind of how we change it out. And cause if you try and do that same high load of nutrients in the winter or in the summertime, you can see um, salt burn or some other damage to the plants. Cause they literally just suck up so much nutrients. It's like, Whoa, they fr- fry out, right. They just kind of like fry out. Yeah. Yeah, so we definitely um, lower them during the warm months. And that's kind of the idea is after you go through a couple seasonal changes like this, you kind of know like, oh, yep, you know, days are getting shorter. You know, the plants need more artificial light or supplementing um, with some grow lights. We change our nutrient. We don't change the what we feed them. We just change the concentration and that kind of stuff. And so you kind of go through that part and, it, it definitely helps. And you kind of know that part. I'm always jealous. Yeah. Of see, and, and, and indoors, you don't do that with indoor because yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you can constantly have the same amount of daylight and same amount of strength of daylight as possible. Yeah. That's why I was going to say, I'm jealous of the guys who are indoors or in a climate, like in the Florida or, you know, Hawaii, where it's like outside temperature and daylight stay the same pretty much year round. Barbados like, oh, too, right? Barbados too. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those guys down in the islands, it's like, I'm jealous, but no, we've actually looked at putting in a, um, indoor system, complete sealed indoor vertical system, just to on site too. So, 
So we got things in the work, more fun toys to play with, different ways to grow. Um, uh, what about mint? Have you done any experimenting with mint on microgreens? Or So we've been doing mint full grown. Uh, our biggest thing with mint that we've witnessed is it's such a vigorous grower in the channels and stuff um, that we've actually decided we're not going to do it in our channels anymore. And we're going to do it more in um, individual pots outside the system itself. It just gets away too fast because giving it that nutrient solution and everything it needs, it just goes crazy and we couldn't keep up with it. So we've decided that our mint, we're going to do it. It's the runners too, right? The runners always pop. Oh my God. Come down out of the channel off to the side and it just fills up everywhere. Um, Oh yeah. Cause the runners have nowhere else to go. They can't. It goes crazy. And so, yeah. So mint's one of those few ones that, you know, we've tried it. We've liked, we like our, yield that it get out of a channel but just from a crop management standpoint it's we're going to move it to something else so no but our our biggest herbs this time of year um fennel does really well everybody likes fennel rosemary likes this time of year um parsley i mean we grow parsley year-round parsley is one of the the top ones everyone likes parsley um so you kind of get your favorite 10 or 12 on your list and you know, once you get those knocked down, everybody knows it's like, okay, these are our staples. And then we'll throw in a couple oddballs throughout the season. Kind so of any, up. um, micro vegetables in your future, like, uh, small carrots and small, like, yeah, we've, talked and- about it. we've looked at some stuff. We did some more exotic, uh, grape tomatoes this past season. Some of the, um, like bumbleberry series from Johnny seeds. We tried. We've also did some of the more um, the dark colored ones and stuff like that. And, you know, it's people find them interesting. We like to go because of how we sell our produce in the summertime. Uh, we like to do a lot more of the unique stuff, things that you don't see at the grocery store or that the typical um, outdoor uh, farmer are getting their hands on. So things that are a little bit more sensitive that, you know, kind of lend itself to being greenhouse grown where we are. And so, yeah, we do a lot more of the, we did some different heirloom tomatoes. You were, doing, were you doing pak choy or something too yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah, the Asian greens do really well. So a lot of uh, pak choy, bok choy. Um, we also been getting into uh, like Tokyo Bigotti, great variety, works awesome as a microgreen. And if you actually let it go out 30 days, uh, we get heads that are a pound plus. And so that works really good. And we actually sell those. That's one of the few greens that we sell as a microgreen, like an in-between size, and then a full-size head too. And so that's kind of a, it's one of the most versatile ones we grow because you can do it at the different stages and it still performs really well. So in the future, will we see any uh, um, uh, solar-powered greenhouses for you? For me, uh, we've talked about that kind of stuff. Right now, our price of energy is still pretty good. Uh, what we're doing now is kind of matching up our technology we're using in our greenhouse. So example of we're matching stuff that like you know needs a lower temperature, lower light levels to this time of year, um, rather than just like, oh, I'm going to grow basil no matter how warm or how cold it is outside. And so we're kind of matching up our crops to what the demand is um, for the 
what you want to put call it the inputs for the greenhouse. So and like, I think and I think you're onto something. And I think it's been spoke at a couple conferences that I've heard people speak about uh about developing uh an engineering a genetics that that re- that require less. Yeah, yeah. You and know? it's just nice, like for example, if you want a tomato this time of year, then maybe we should look at varieties that you know like lower light conditions and lower temperatures. Um, we just kind of switch it by okay, these are the crops we know that like cooler conditions. Okay, that's the time of year for this. There's certain crops like ORAC. I love ORAC. It does really well for us. But once we get past, you know, let's say Halloween, it just doesn't like the cool, dark weather that we have here. And so that's something that it's like, okay, we hold on to that. And then in May, we'll go gangbusters with that again. And so, again, even though we have all the technology to make it any climate we want in the greenhouse, we still kind of pick you know certain varieties like this time of year um another good example is like the red lettuces you know some of that stuff at lower light conditions the color isn't as vibrant as in under high light conditions because the red pigment is a um a plant's natural defense to color think of it as kind of like plant sunscreen right so when you have lower light conditions, they don't produce as much as that. So like my red lettuce isn't as red as it is in, you know, the months of June, mm. July, August. And so like that kind of stuff. And so, you know, yeah, I can make it red. I run my grow lights longer, but then again, you know, that comes back to more energy being put into that crop. So yeah, we do a lot of playing with, you know, certain varieties and certain times of year. So, you know, a lot of green stuff, a lot of cool season stuff for us right now. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I think this was a good episode. I think we hit a lot of points on, um, you know, this cold weather's coming and seasons are changing now. And Oh, yeah. And- yeah. My best advice for people is if it hasn't, if you haven't gotten out to your greenhouse yet or your facility, um, make sure your heaters are working. <laughs> you want to make sure that everything is up and working before you get to the point where you need it. So like we go out usually two or three weeks before we know we're going to get cold weather and make sure, you know, the heaters are working and that the grow lights are working. Um, We don't usually use the grow lights in the summer months um, unless we get a long stretch of cloudy weather, but, you know, just making sure everything that you need to get you through the next couple of weeks or months when the weather starts cooling off and getting um, worse, kind of make sure all those systems are working. So that way you don't have to come back and be like, Oh, I got to, you know, order heater. Oh, it's going to get to 35 tonight. Okay. That's going to do damage to the crop. So like, you know, a little preventative maintenance, make sure everything's up and working beforehand really helps you out in the long run. Check in heaters, checking uh, levers, checking fans. Making sure everything's good. If you get a door that has had like an air leak all summer. You might want to check that because like any little gap and all that stuff, when it starts time to heating, that's just a natural way of that hot air leaving the greenhouse. So it's like, oh, you know, you always get your to-do list. Like, oh, got to fix this, this, and this. Get ready for the winter months. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Polygreens podcast. Uh, once again, I'm Nick Greens with Nick Greens Grow Team. And I'm with Jake Emling from Route 42 Harvest. Thank you, everybody, and enjoy your Friday.